This is the My Michelle Live podcast. Weekend Review, a look back at the week and forward to the weekend. Music, movies, goodies, and more. It's My Michelle Live Weekend Review. Here's Michelle. Hello there. Happy Friday. It's time. Let's do it. Let's review the week. The Riz Report with Adam Ruzieri. Hello and welcome to Friday. You made it. Congratulations. <clears throat> Soap on the back. We did it, right? I don't know about you, it. but it has been a crazy week because uh, just a week and a half ago, I was in Texas. I was in Narlands, Louisiana. I was a happy girl on vacation. Then I'm back and it's like work. Good thing I love you guys and I love doing this, right? Because it, it made it a lot easier. So we are um, on this segment. We look back at some of the news that made news this week with the one and only Adam Ruzieri. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, yeah. indeed. Uh, boy, another crazy, crazy week. And I think we need to start off with um, the tragic shooting in boulder colorado um it was it 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 was another incident where we can look at the media and go what the heck happened we jumped to narratives which which can happen uh in boulder colorado uh 10 people were were killed and man, we have to remember those families because they're hurting right now. Um, remember them in your prayers. Uh, and I think back, you know, remember when 9-11 happened and the whole country came together and then a few, yeah. a, maybe an appropriate time, people started picking things apart and, and debating things, which is perfectly fine and natural. Facts were in, people could say what, what took place, but Adam, that's not what's happening anymore. Yeah. You know, and like you said, it's, it's impossible not to just feel just a, a huge weight and, and sadness for those families that lost uh, their, their loved ones. And, you know, to, to grieve is one thing and to experience loss is another, but then to see how potentially that loss can be frankly politicized um, and sort of twisted into something that maybe it's not, or something that maybe does require a conversation, but time and place, you know, um, do a little bit of learning, do a little bit of, of grieving first, just grieving the basic loss and then try to work towards understanding. And, you know, it was really, uh, it was really sad to see, obviously what happened at Atlanta in the past week was, was also absolutely terrible. Um, but really I was actually a little surprised to see a quick tweet, almost a knee junk, a knee jerk reaction from, um, the niece of Kamala Harris. Uh, her name is Mina and Mina jumped really quickly and basically tweeted something that was basically kind of saying, you know, <clears throat> Oh my goodness, white men are the biggest terrorist threat in our country. Uh, quickly assuming that because the shooter had been apprehended alive, that it must've been a white guy. And with that comes also that conversation of, you know, some of the, some of the concerns around hate crimes in general, which are legitimate, but then also discussions around, uh, 
maybe it was this a, a white supremacist trying to go into this store and and kill a bunch of people to make a statement but but the interesting thing is is that as soon as it became clear that the shooter was not white that in fact it was a syrian immigrant um the the conversation quickly changed from one of being a white fueled white supremacist sort of hate crime to um one of gun control and and frankly one that um you know in in, in different times could have been i think probably turned towards terrorism and islamophobia in this case yes this guy happened to be from syria and um yes he was islamic but man i mean if you look at what his family said you know and his family is is going to be mourning a loss too and it's him this guy has serious mental issues that have been allowed to kind of persist without without treatment i believe based on what his brother's what his brother says really it sounds like this guy's been suffering with paranoid schizophrenia for a while I'm not a psychologist. The facts that, that come out from the review will <clears throat> obviously reveal the truth of that. But it is, I, it's heartbreaking, right? I it's live totally in Seattle where uh, mental illness is one of the... And, and some of that is mental illness because people have a mental illness. Some of that is uh, brought on by drug addiction, which often comes from, to normal people, even like you and I, who right. have been prescribed something they get addicted to. And we're so set on well let's just give them free drugs and let's you know uh the homeless problem in our state of washington has gone exponentially crazy and there's yeah. no end in sight we're ignoring mental health and it breaks my heart what a horrible way to live uh what right. a stigma to have on you to live with for the rest of your life and we'll talk about this a little bit later adam but it reminds yeah. me of the problem that we have at the border, uh, we're, we, 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 we can't call people are not illegal and we love people and that, and that may be true, then right. let's encourage people to come into the country legally and safely, lest they fall victim to something we're ignoring like mental health and that is the human exactly. trafficking issue. But back to it's your a, point. It's a big deal, Michelle. I mean, and, and it's really all about sort of how the media sort of drives the narrative. Nobody is pointing out the fact that this Syrian immigrant with a obvious mental health disorder just killed, uh, I believe it was, I, I think all 10 victims were white, maybe um, eight, eight or 10 entirely were all white. Nobody's saying that this was a hate crime. Nobody's saying that this guy hated white people, um, which, which I, I tend to agree with based on just what I saw from, from what his family said. But why isn't this conversation really kind of honing into the the issues of mental health and homelessness and obviously human trafficking fuels a lot of that too yeah where are these people going to live when they cross the border and what are they going to turn to to survive knowing that they have an obligation to pay the cartels the money that (laughs) basically they owe them for coming across the border to begin with or mom and dad back home are going to have some serious problems yeah. from those cartels. It's so sad. Uh, other things we're not taking into consideration and why you watch the Riz Report because you get the other side of the news. You get more. To, I shouldn't say the other side. You get more of the news. You get uh, the complete picture. Things that are not being reported. Eric Talley was the police officer that was killed in Boulder. That's really, really sad. But there are other right. issues as well like uh, mentally this is a true story mentally ill man uh was set on fire 
in Rochester, New York. I don't know if you heard this story. No, he was a, but I mean, he was a mentally ill man, terrible. elderly man. He was set on fire by two kids. Now we're not hearing this because that man was white. The teens were black. We're ignoring the pain disgusting. of that man. Um, he was mentally ill, and you know, again, I, my heart goes out to those who are who have mental illnesses. It just it's such a difficulty, and he's made yeah. fun of. He's brutalized, and we don't care because he's part of uh, what Kamala Harris's what what was it her niece that you mentioned? You know, he's one of the white guys, and. I'll get your comments on this. Uh, I just pulled this up uh, just this week in The Root, uh, which is a, a, a periodical. A New York Times mm -hmm. contributor wrote this. Whiteness is a pandemic, a public health crisis. It shortens life expectancy, pollutes air, devastates forests, funds wars. It's a virus and it won't be gone. Till our, there are no more bodies to infect what the heck so let me just ask you, know you this i you know I, let's just say that you're a white guy so the color of your skin literally pollutes the it's probably causing global warming let me just apologize in advance for that <laughs> <laughs> listen i mean what that guy should have done is replace the word whiteness with ignorance ignorance is the cause of a lot of those things in some cases right it's wow this is why we have maybe, you maybe on every week. Boom. Just get right to it. <laughs> cut to, cut through the crap and just you know, get right there. Well, Michelle, just, just substitute whiteness with any other race, right? Like, it, it's a ridiculous thing to say. Um, it, it's ignorance that causes some of these terrible things. Um, the, the cure to that is, frankly, it's, it's education and it's diverse thoughts and ideas and it's respect for differences. It's not uh the cancellation of things that are different but it's a respect for things that are different um and, and appreciating why they're different and why it's okay that they're different too ah, um and man, explain to me how whiteness scientifically just give me the science behind how <laughs> being white affects global warming i mean it, it's like give me the same science behind why you know being hispanic or black or asian doesn't create global warming it's just such a ridiculous <laughs> topic it's, it's a ridiculous thing to say like how is that we only like science when it supports what i think you know come on <laughs> but yeah. but you mentioned you know that something on the other side of that is the sameness there is something that's very similar and it's called the hu the human condition and we all suffer from it so when there is something that is wrong or there's something that's evil or there's something that's bigoted there's something that's as you point out ignorant it knows no racial bounds. Um, now, Candace Owens is, uh, she's even thinking about running for president in the next election. She's a black, very conservative That's an easy woman. easy vote for me, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm she's- a huge, I, I'm a fan. She's, she, well, she's, she's brilliant and she's, she's very smart and she's very logical. And well, you were just, I, I just kind of jumped in, but I was just gonna say like, yeah, she is a, a conservative, but she is also someone who respects diversity. She respects different ideas and opinions. She will talk to someone who is a, a quote unquote liberal or progressive with respect. And, and that's who she is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's, that's Candace Owens. I mean, she's, but, she got my vote. Um, 
on one side, people will say, oh, there's not going to be a Republican that will vote for her. And yet she has tremendous support. Uh, she tweeted, though, uh, the idea after the media went nuts um, as we wrap up this this topic on the shootings. The media went nuts. And she said, look, something that you need to keep in mind, too, the number one black uh, the number one defender of um, Asian American uh, violence or and and deaths are Black Americans. The number one offender of violence against Black Americans are Black Americans. We need to address that in those communities. All right. Uh, having said that, Adam, um, Liam O'Mara, uh, who ran for Congress in November, tweeted back to Candace, you may have dropped this. And he showed a picture of a KKK mask. Really? Candace Owens claims her grandfather, who's still alive today, was victim of KKK antics and violence. Um, and so now facts and statistics, Adam, are racist as well. Everything's racist. Maybe we need Sesame Street to teach us better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how classless to do that, you know, just that is just such a dirty, ridiculous low blow to throw at anybody, you know, and obviously Candace Owens being so vocal, she is going to attract the army of trolls that exist online. Um, fortunately, she's <laughs> she's pretty tough. She can handle it. Right. Um, she is not someone who is going to be silent when she sees an injustice. And that's why she on both sides has very strong support, but also has strong opposition because not everybody wants to see her uh, carry the flag of truth to the top of the mountain. Uh, Candace Owens is also kind of in a battle, uh, well, a legal battle actually, against big tech. She has been silenced by the quote unquote fact checkers that exist online. When things are censored, when you see conversations that are flagged on Twitter or Facebook, Oftentimes, those conversations are flagged with a reference to a, a source being one of those fact checkers, a third party that kind of says what's true and what's not true. Candace Owens has been censored and silenced based on third party fact checkers that, in fact, are not really all that impartial. In fact, a lot of these third party fact checkers are funded by Google, by Facebook and also by ByteDance, which is a business entity owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Very interesting stuff there. So it's it's interesting to realize that you have Candace Owens here who is unapologetically, fearlessly trying to champion the truth with real data and, and just real primary information. But then she's being silenced and shut down by, in some cases, the establishment, but in other cases, just an army of trolls. My question is, is who's kind of in charge of this, this army of trolls that's trying to shut her down? You know, where is that really coming from? <laughs> yeah, where is that coming from? And <laughs> why do we see it from people who are in leadership where it, leadership is uh, by virtue of the, the definition should be people who set an example, people that you look up to, people with the kind of character that stand up and say, yes, I think differently than you, but uh, we're going to find commonality. <clears throat> I'm going to show you respect. Um, and rather than attack you personally and try to bring you down uh, and destroy you, I want to show respect and find answers. I'll use humor. I'll I'll use grace. Uh, we just don't have that anymore. We don't. We don't. Instead, we have basically in front of us a battle against indoctrination. We have a battle against 
really a, a, a combination, almost a cartel of very powerful actors in our in our environment. Those actors being big tech, big media, uh, money that comes outside of this country from obviously other governments and and. Uh, and, and that's a lot of combined. That's a lot of power, right? You have money, you have influence, you have the ability to say what's true and what's not true these days, you know? And so I, I think back to like when I was in school, right? You have to write an academic paper. And as part of that assignment, you, have to, you would have to have a, a work cited to prove or to show sort of the source of your, of your information. <laughs> my, my concern now is seeing that like, if we were to do that today, like, Man, if I'm Facebook and I'm writing a paper, like Facebook is the student, right? And Facebook's writing a paper. They can just basically create their own facts, their own sources, and then basically say, oh, yeah, this is true because this source over here that I created says it's true. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's a real, that's a real, I think, um, scary reality when you really think about it. You know, it's like you see like this kind of like mesh, this merging of, of different entities, the leadership of big tech, the, those that are in power in our, in our government, and then money from, from where, from outside of this country, from the Chinese government, literally. Okay, so, oh my goodness, like who's really in control here? We're not, control. You're talking about the, the, the border, right? Where's Biden for that, right? Like he's not even, he's not even aware of, Did of you things see that are his, happening that are big. His, who's in control? Uh, did you see his first press conference? Oh, man. I, I really want him what? to be okay and to be healthy and to be sharp. But I'm like, I, I'm rooting for him. He's our president. But man, yes. like, Amen. dude, give me something, please. Just give me something that I can, like, be proud of. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. We have some other things to talk about <laughs> I mean, today. You know, like, um, my heart hurt when I saw him fall up the, up the stairs, you know? I'm like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Like, this is just... And that's, you know, um, can I just say this? The media handled that the way it should be handled, not the way they would have handled it if it were Trump. They handled right. it the way it should be handled. People fall. And he is older. You know, don't make fun of it. Don't, you know, and right. there's been some memes from the conservative side that I just go, shut up. That's just right. rude. Um, although maybe the only reason that it's appropriate is because of the outlandish treatment of the press with the past president. So much so that a lot right. of us have been duped into uh, thinking that nothing good came out of that administration. But, um, you know, and I get that. But to go so easy, it, it, it just it boggles the mind and that's where i want to talk i want to lead into our next subject it, uh we we touched a bit on race as we were you know talking about the shootings and how we jumped to race race is being preached to us it's being taught to our kids and now sesame street literally has the abcs of racial literacy um yeah what you know, I'm trying I mean, to figure this good? one out. You know, I mean, there's some, like, that's, I mean, I, good, I, right? want, I want to show that we don't care. But, you know, the funniest thing is when you're a kid, you don't realize that somebody 
is different. You'll you'll recognize right. that the the smells of their house from the food that they eat may be different. But gosh, that that transcends a color. You know, right. my family cooks Southern soul food. My you know my other friends were more apt to pop something in the microwave. You know, everybody has a different microculture. But uh, what do you right. think of this Sesame Street thing? You know, Michelle, when you're a kid, you know, it's like you're, man, kids are just amazing. I'm, I'm jealous of the imagination I had when I was a kid. They can <laughs> literally think that they are, you know, in some cases, Spider-Man or Batman or Princess Jasmine. I mean, the, the imagination a kid has is incredible. What? Wait, 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 wait. Are is... you saying that I'm actually not Wonder Woman? Dang it. <laughs> I never questioned don't it. Don't talk to me. Don't, don't. No. <laughs> you know, don't. but it's like. It's, <laughs> Michelle's in the cave right now. <laughs> but it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible the imagination kids have. I guarantee you, kids don't even know that race is a thing unless it's like a foot race or it's like this race car versus that one. Like we're having fun at the park. It wasn't until adults introduced this concept of race as a, as a problem. Um, it's not until that happens that these kids become aware of, of, of this topic to begin with. When I was when I was younger, I took this class in college called um, "Changing Sex Roles," and it talked about socialization. And you know, a kid. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was I don't an interesting mean to class. laugh because can you imagine what that class would be today? Oh my god! So it was, <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine. When I was in that class, the professor looked sort of like a slightly overweight Willie Nelson, and the guy had like. You know, literally feathers braided or braided into his hair. He didn't wear shoes um, in, in the classroom. Uh, shirt was unbuttoned to his belly button, pretty much. I mean, I this guy looked like he was straight off of like, you know, um, uh, a, a band's like tour bus from like the '60s or so. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. Uh, thank goodness great. he was wearing clothing. It was a very interesting class. It basically that's the reason why I know the difference between gender and sex is because of that class. Now, part of the class was understanding socialization and how kids start to kind of identify with certain things and what they experience in the immediate household, the family, that is really what sort of dictates how somebody is going to develop into an adult. So, you know, to now see schools kind of trying to indoctrinate some kids on things like critical race theory is a huge concern. Uh, these are constructs that these kids wouldn't just naturally come up with on their own. The Sesame Street thing, you know, like I think parents obviously need to be very careful about what they expose their kids at certain ages. And so far, the, the Sesame Street intentions seem pretty good. I'm not okay. I'm not fully sure yeah. about kind of what the full programming looks like. But I have a couple quotes here from uh, Sesame Street that I think are kind of interesting, um, interesting little anecdotes here. But uh, this one quote from uh, the show is this it's things on the outside like our skin color our hair texture our noses our mouths and eyes make us who we are many people call this race but even though we look different we're all part of the human race right on. which i thought was a great a great message right like we are all yeah. people we're all humans uh we all use toilets hopefully <laughs> you know like we all are people and we're gonna be goofy like people we're gonna make mistakes like people we're gonna yeah. be successful like people and our country is all about creating opportunity. It's not a guarantee. You know, it's, there's no guarantee that you're going to be successful, but our country allows you to work towards something much better and, and, and something that really you're, you're, you're pursuing happiness, right? You have that ability here. Nikki Haley was talking about uh, her experience as, as a woman of color. Um, and, and she was talking about the fact that 
she never felt like a victim. She never felt like someone who was really able to succeed and attain the goals that she, she never thought she could like anything would stop her from doing that. Right. She never saw a roadblock towards, towards her success. She just knew that success was able or was, was out there and she could pursue it. Um, there are lessons that are being taught to kids today that say otherwise. There are lessons that are being taught to kids that say, Hey, you were born into a lack of opportunity. You were born into a lack of upward mobility and, um, and a bit like a lack of being able to pursue things that will make you happy and comfortable and charitable, hopefully too. You know, I mean, th there are so many messages being taught to kids today. Uh, it's nice to see Sesame street and this example, tr you know, trying to make more of a positive reality out of this, that and diversity it reaches is okay. To every, that you know? message but we're all reaches too. to everybody. I, I really do love that. Uh, it, it, one size fits all coverage of you're white so you're bad or you're black so you're you're disadvantaged doesn't do much um, now this right. week interestingly enough um on yesterday's show i was speaking it was i i loved it because it was a jewish rabbi a a black bishop and a feisty female here walks onto a podcast sounds like a bad joke but we were talking about <laughs> race and dr glenn uh Plummer, who's the Bishop of Israel for the Church of God in Christ, had said, you know, uh, we're, we're at Passover season. And Jews still rightly talk about the enslavement because it becomes kind of part of your history and your DNA. Right. And we're only 150 years away from slavery. So it is understandable that it is part of a family history, a mindset, an ugliness. But you stay enslaved in your mind and in your heart. You know, on one end, that helps people who are non-black understand that mindset and have deference right. and love and respect when you when someone thinks that they're walking into a situation where they're going to get discriminated against. I had a friend right. who uh, we walked into uh, uh, Sons of Norway. Okay, we, I was a member. I just I, I there's not a no, drop of Norwegian blood, but it was part of my community, and I wanted to support. The, the community so sure. I was at one of their yeah. social events and I brought her and she said do you see all these white people looking at me they're uh, they've got to be a bunch of racists and I was like girlfriend they're looking at you because one they know me and two they're looking at this beautiful woman I'm bringing in going right. wow who is that um and soon she realized these people really loved her it's okay that you come with that mindset it, it maybe right. it's part of your dna but you stay enslaved in your mind and in your heart and in our nation when you don't realize that there is more to that set your own self free uh and be willing to look past i'm a girl of color and and i know that i've experienced racism but i don't even remember uh, unless I dig deep because there's so much more to the story. Right. I think it's a, there's a choice. It's kind of like the choice to be depressed or to pursue happiness. Now you can be chemically depressed. And man, I was pretty close to that when I lost my sister to cancer, you know, and I was in a really deep that state of mind for too. a while. Oh, right? we but, can but relate to But after talking this. about yeah. it for a while and grieving, mm -hmm. you do have to make a, a conscious decision. Okay, I'm going to start doing things to pursue happiness, to to live a full life. I think it takes someone to make a decision to say, I am going to do things. I'm going to make decisions to make myself be successful. I'm going to do things to help myself 
interact better with others and develop friendships and alliances and partnerships that make my life great. Or you can not make that decision. You can just choose to stay at home and you can choose to not do much. You can choose to just live at a certain level that maybe entitlements allow you to exist at. When in reality, there's so much more out there for you. So much more out there for you. All you have to do is take it, right? You just have to take it, do it, take it, make those choices that allow you to get to that, to that next level. Nothing and can stop you except for yourself. I want to say kudos to the uh, to Sesame Street in this regard. You can't ignore the issue; it's out there, and kids are hearing it. So taking out it on in a way that can bring unity instead of more division. Unlike this story, Adla the Atlanta Black Star reported this: a, a, a black mom sued her school after she says that her biracial son his dad was white, received a failing grade in social, sociology class. Why did he get a failing grade, Adam? Because he refused to confess his white dominance. I, I, I'm serious. This was in Nevada. The, the class was Sociology of Change, and it was taught by Catherine Bass, who's a self-described white Irish American citizen. Um, She's named as a defendant in the suit. And he was harassed. He was punished, reportedly, for refusing to attach derogatory labels to the aspects of his identity. And this kid, his father was white and died. And so he's essentially having to diss all that, all, everything that his father was. Um, it, it's That's so... Terrible. I mean, it is... That is outrageous. Uh this kid is is biracial like many of us i'm more irish than anything else can you tell that no that's america but that is doing it the absolute wrong way it's absolutely disgusting honestly and you know what there are i, I was reading a thing michelle about this uh this school system actually i believe this probably won't be shocking it was the bay area of california and same kind of situation, um, really trying to indoctrinate people to subscribe to critical race theory. Um, in fact, you know, it's, it's, this, it's this, this issue that lives under the guise of anti-racism, but it's actually very racist. And it's not just white people today that are feeling the direct effects of it, but it's also the Asian American community as well. Um, Asian Americans as a community statistically are, are performers when it comes to academics. And they're now, because they are performing extremely well, just as a, as a segment of a greater demographic kind of study, they're being excluded from the measure of people of color and being excluded as a, society, as a, as a minority population in our country from certain um, school systems in particular. That is like, it's, it's crazy to kind of see how these conversations of, of race are just used um, opportunistically and, and excluding those who you know, for whatever the, the end goal might be to that conversation, choosing when to say someone's a minority and when they're not a minority is oh, really crazy okay. to me. Okay, okay. Um, the United States of Al, a new sitcom, um, that's supposed to be canceled because the, I guess it's a, a story about a guy who served overseas. He had a translator, an Afghan translator, and that translator comes to the United States and lives with him, right? And uh, it looks like a funny, charming sitcom 
sitcom. I'm not a big sitcom girl, but, you know, looks yeah. all right. But it's coming under fire because the actor, who is non-white, still isn't actually Afghan. You know, why is that okay? Or Cinderella canceled because it has a 98% white cast. That's sure. okay. But on the other hand, we can praise Hamilton to the hilt because of its you know, non-white cast. You know, the founding fathers were mostly white and I am okay. I, I was a little weirded with Hamilton until I sat there and went, you know what I love about this? What I love about this is it's saying, I don't care what color George Washington was. I don't care if he's portrayed by a black man. You know what? America's for everyone. That was so True. appropriate. I totally. ended up loving that point. Right. But we can't right. get there. You even sent a story, uh, speaking of schools, about a Long Island headmistress that had to resign uh, for yeah. a really disturbing reason. Can you share that? Yeah. So this is a this is a weird story. So there was this Long Island headmistress that was basically forced to resign after basically the story is this basically the the student was obviously a mom's uh well here's the deal it's it's kind of hard to explain but in a nutshell this student did something bad uh the student was forced to apologize by the teacher in a nutshell the teacher had previously observed uh other students uh being forced to apologize for doing certain things students that were specifically apologizing in a way that was custom to uh to Nigeria as a company, as a country, as a, as a culture, when you mess up, you kneel and apologize. And so a stu uh, this teacher made a, obviously a wrong generalization with a different student um, who was a, a black kid and ultimately was trying to force this kid to kneel while making an apology, uh, thinking that it was the cultural custom um, uh, in this situation. The reason why the, the teacher did that is because one of the other parents, one of the Nigerian parents, basically showed this teacher sort of how to apologize. And so this teacher made a wrong assumption, I guess, about another kid in the class. Hey, why not um, have everybody in the whole class, no matter what, say, you know, this is the custom of some of our students, and it's humility and it's beauty. And when we give right. an apology, we need to give a, an apology with repentance. There's right. my Sunday school word for the day. Uh, and <laughs> Very nice. and so getting on your knees and saying, I humbly ask your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Teach these kids how to apologize. Every right. single kid, every single color, right? I mean, but I think the British apologize by writing letters. You know, it's like I know it's it's different for, for various cultures, right? You know. But, but that's um, some people just then apologize profusely and try to fix it. Every <laughs> culture, teach it, teach it in every culture, and you know what? Here's the opportunity for you, mom, to look at the whole story and to show right. deference, to show love. You're not going to change if you think it's a racist narrative. You're not going to win it over with hate. Go back to the words of Martin Luther King: "You don't shut out hate with hate, darkness Boom. with light. You need love." And that absolutely. And and, and you it, need teachable I, moments, right? Teachable moments. Need teachable moments to do that. And we need to get back to Adam's word for the day, which is ignorance. We have a <laughs> lot of um, self uh, self in 
induced ignorance. Uh, this, right. this kind of thing where I don't want to hear anything else. And you know where it's really affecting us with the COVID issue. Oh my gosh, so much. Okay, so was it a couple of weeks ago we were talking about really discrimination of those who are vaccinated and those who are not. We were talking about this, this theme of health passports, right? Being like your CDC, I've been vaccinated card and here's the date and I swear this is the date that I was vaccinated. This is real, I didn't make it up, yada, yada. Health passports are a real thing and they're hitting us right now. If you are a student- You and, must and have your papers. University, <laughs> If you want to enroll in classes, you better show proof of vaccination. If you want, if you want to attend class in person in the fall, you must have been vaccinated. Michelle, I thought Rutgers was a public school, right? My belief is this: Rutgers is a public school, and the idea of health passports, you know, and like even like these states that are saying you do not have to wear a mask. There's no more, you know. There's not a mandate, right? giving the decision to private organizations to make decisions about how they're going to run their safety protocols, businesses, things of that nature. You know, Rutgers is a private school, or sorry, is a public school. There are private schools that are out there. Rutgers offers in-person teaching as well as online classes. I believe that it should be up to private organizations to make decisions about how they're going to pursue safety protocols, not decisions that are mandated by the government, but private decisions. I, I'm on the fence with Rutgers being as it is a public school. Technically, it is an organization with a hierarchy and they make decisions in certain ways, but they are funded by the taxpayers. And I, uh, it's kind of a, a cloudy area, I think, where I don't know if they should be mandating vaccinations on their well, campus because it no. is a public school and it's You're, not private. I mean, what happened to my body, my choice, first of all. Secondly, uh, we don't know. Uh, I mentioned this meme on our Wednesday Health Watch show um, that there's these two little little mice and they're talking and one says, have you caught your vaccination yet? And the other one <laughs> says, no, they're still testing it on humans. You know, this is, we, we have done plenty of shows with scientists, doctors, and experts in the field that say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, this is not a one size fits all. And we have people who are not, right. who are not either not scientists or scientists who are not allowing debate and just making these guru decisions to say, oh yeah, yeah. everybody needs to get it. And okay, so American Airlines, you know, gotta have that, you know, that vaccine, you know, right? And, or the Miami <laughs> Heat, who April 1st in their game against uh, Golden State, they're going to have a, a section for vaccinated only. Right. You know, what if Vaxed you've already had the, the, the COVID virus? If you've had it, you have better immunity. What if you have an autoimmune disorder or a reason why you should not get the vaccine? You know what they're, they're doing? If we were to say this is a whites only area, this is a black, you know, people will become unglued. This is freaking right. weird and not it's freaking not weird free. it's not free it's not how we do things in america it's not let people choose to be in public if they want to be in public and let people choose to live their lives and make decisions about what they put into their body and what they choose to not put in their body um it's really interesting to see the american airlines arena so michelle this is i you know I, i've always loved dogs i learned something today about the power of dogs right so 
literally at the American Airlines hey, Arena. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to interrupt here. If you're new to My Michelle Live and, and our Riz Report, Adam's dog, don't listen for a minute, Adam. Adam's <laughs> dogs are the most pampered pooches on the freaking planet. Every week I hear more about how pampered these pooches are. If I could be anything else on the planet, I would be one of Adam and his beautiful wife's dogs. Boom. <laughs> no question. <laughs> yeah, All my right. dogs, they, they, they live the dream with their high thread count sheets dream. and their, their meals and their, their hard-boiled eggs for breakfast. <laughs> Seriously. They live right. the dream. But literally, the power of dogs, Michelle. You know, we're talking about the COVID virus, right? And and, and mandates in public. So we're at the home of the Miami Heat, they were literally using virus-smelling dogs at the start of the season to, to literally try and detect virus, like viral activity in people. So this is amazing. Dogs have 300 million receptors in their nose that measure everything right it's all sense right humans we can we have like five to six million or so receptors so we don't smell anything compared to what our dogs are able to take in and, and understand um it, it's incredible it's like a totally different language for them dogs can smell certain things that the body emits when it's sick and so they can actually detect like in some cases and the science Cancers. is still a little Cancers, unclear here yeah. but it's pretty accurate also in some cases. You know, the dog detects someone with the virus, that person is tested, it's a positive test. That's oh glorious, my gosh. that is great. It's crazy. So they were using these virus smelling dogs outside American Airlines Arena uh, to detect viral activity in people that were going to attend the games. Just those small amounts of fans that were showing up early in the season. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, I thought, you know? So, so you know, now I guess you'll have like these vaccine only sections in the in the stadium. And I'm sure those dogs are going to be like right there. Just like, how true is that, that health passport you got there? How true is that CDC <laughs> document you're showing me, customer? Let me just, let me just yeah, smell you real fast. Except for the fact that let's talk about the vaccine, um, the, the news that you are not hearing this week right. about the vaccine, side effects. Um, right. AstraZeneca used old data and uh, tweaked things a bit to make it look more effective than it is. Uh, there's deaths that have resulted from people getting the vaccine. Um, and there are people who have gotten the, just this week, three people were reported in Hawaii. And those are just the ones that are reported who have got all their vaccines Mm -hmm. And then still got seriously sick, seriously sick with COVID. So, you know, we can't, I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. I'm saying it needs to be a personal choice. It's a, it may right. be a great option for people at high risk, but not a one size fits all. This is scary. And why aren't we hearing this? We're just saying, right. hey, get your vaccine card. You can come to a game. But we're not <laughs> hearing the, the side effects, the possible deaths, or the crazy uh, AstraZeneca numbers. Yeah, I bet those vaccine-sniffing dogs are pulling people out of the vaccine-approved section. They're all the AstraZeneca people. Like, oh, man, like this one, that one, <laughs> that one, too. Like, I oh, sorry, guys, let me see that health passport. Hours. Oh, AstraZeneca, yeah, you're out. <laughs> no, it's crazy. I mean, the reality is, is the numbers that they reported, they excluded a month's worth of data to give them more favorable numbers saying, yeah, this, this vaccine is 79% effective. Uh, but then all of a sudden this, this additional layer of data comes in and it turns out, no, it's not 79% effective. It's more like, you know, 69 to 75% effective. You've got now like this panel of experts who work on the oversight committee saying, <clears throat> Hey, uh, AstraZeneca, that was kind of misleading. 
why yeah. <clears throat> it's sending the same information to the government saying did AstraZeneca just do this to sell a high volume of vaccines early in the game oh, when it was a business on. decision? The, people aren't people aren't money? just trying to make money. Hey, and I, I want to say I did do some research on the Hawaii people. Um, they weren't serious cases. And I just I just said that they were very serious. Right. There have been some, but it is relatively a low number. So I don't want to blow that out of proportion. Right. And but also, Michelle, still, one of those cases in Hawaii was a health professional who on a daily basis, you know, she was, exp she's, and she's one of the leaders too. She was exposing herself to all sorts of, of viral load all over the place. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not, the majority of people are not going to be in that situation, right? Like God bless our, our health professionals who are just I mean, man, who are spending overtime hours in, in healthcare facilities, taking care of people. But the reality is the amount of people in the ICU with COVID a lot, like those numbers are down. You know, that's just less the than three percent. But OK, I, help me with these numbers, because, you know, we're friends now. Um, you know that I might have <clears throat> some good attributes, but one of them that is not good is math. So I'm not good with math. So I need a little <laughs> help with this, Adam. If you get the, the virus, you have, you know, like a ninety nine percent plus chance of surviving it. Now you may have, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if that includes some side effects and some lingering mm -hmm. effects that can happen, but 95, 99% sure. chance that you're going to recover unless you have underlying conditions or you're in a high risk group with underlying conditions. Right. If right. you get a vaccine, isn't it, you know, like 70 to 95% effective. So, what am I missing here? I don't get it. <laughs> Michelle, I don't think you have to be good at math for that one. <laughs> like you're good. Yeah. What are we missing here? That's kind of crazy, right? Um, and then also these stories of, so like my business partner, for example, he had COVID. He had the Rona back in December and he got a vaccine. He got his first shot. Uh, I think it was last week. He was down for the count. Apparently people that are getting these vaccines, if they've already had the Rona, in, in some cases, it's pretty rough just from a symptoms perspective, Ooh, you know, wow. headache, fever, fatigue, yeah. nausea. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. I think it's five out of 100 cases show people with like a high fever, like 104 degree temperatures. So, huh, like, should we just get this thing naturally and just let our bodies do what they're going to do and take Tylenol? But then no to one treat makes money from it, Adam. I'm sorry. That's that's that just can't happen. So, <laughs> I mean, and your immune system is. I'm trying to go to a Miami Heat game, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I want you to consider this: uh, if you do get it natural, if you're a naturally healthy person, and you're boosting your immune system, you're taking vitamin D. Uh, you know, we've turned this into a race issue as well because they're saying, you know, they're the people who of color are are not getting care. Well, you know what? People of color also have darker skin. They don't absorb vitamin they need more vitamin d to absorb when you're out in the sun you know there are a lot of things that we aren't taking into consideration and if we don't you're not protecting your health boosting up your immune system cutting out sugar which destroys your immune system mm -hmm. uh, you know these things are really important taking all of these things into consideration and realizing if you get corona you have a better immunity a lot of people don't That's even right. know they have corona have had corona and then they get uh, you know the shots and it's tough so you have to have all of the information so that it's a real 
choice. I'm not saying don't get the mm. don't don't get the jab. I'm just saying be informed because we are living in a world of fear. Uh, there are some things I wanted to take on because a lot of people don't know some of the crazy rules and laws that have been put into effect because of Corona. When I was in New Orleans, Louisiana uh, is for the most part opened up, but in the city of NOLA there, they have just outlandish rules. Like um, you can perform, but you have to have a mask and there has to be some separation between you. So there were like pieces of plastic hanging down <laughs> between bands. <laughs> and as an audience, you can clap, but you cannot cheer. Um, you can play uh, one kind of instrument, but another kind of instrument you can't play. How many times you have to clean the valve of your trumpet or oh trombone? Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, it's just like I played a trombone, Michelle, when I was in, when I was a kid. I played the trombone, and like there's a, there's actually a spit valve for it, and like you'll see like those those musicians like just next to their their chair. You don't want to touch that little puddle. Like let's spit. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's yeah, it's kind of nasty, you know. It's like, but hey, I guess the brass bands are just a little bit out of commission. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's places, uh, Abu Dhabi, Singapore, France, Mexico. They they've all reported in with some of the craziest rules. You want to take that on? Well, you, you mentioned cutting sugar out, right, Michelle? Yeah. Mexico is they're really trying to do that. They're saying, you know what? We got to fight obesity because that's one of the obviously determining factors as to whether yeah. or not you're going to fight Corona with, with some efficacy. You know, it's, if you're if you're a little overweight, you know, you're less likely to have a favorable fight against COVID. Mexico is literally making the marketing and sale of junk food to minors illegal. You can't sell. OK, confession here, right? I was in the Whole30 diet the start of the year. I'm at the office yesterday. I get a text from my wife and it's a picture of the inside drawer of one of my like the home desk that I'm sitting at now she opens the drawer takes a picture of what's inside and it was two Skittles wrappers man I'm so busted right like I but you know what I guess if I was in Mexico and I were a minor I wouldn't be able to get it anyway you know I'm not for making things illegal I'm for personal choice but on that same regard I think they're onto something they just are doing it in a crazy way so, uh, you know, campaigning, you know, we're, we have everywhere we go, supermarkets, on television, radio, uh, sporting events, you, you hear mask up, it saves life. You know, whether the, the data actually proves that out or not, why not go to something that really is proven? You know, sugar breaks your immune system cut down on sugar protect right. yourself from corona no we don't want to we don't want to do that but we can in mexico go to the extreme and make it illegal i'm i, I don't want my kids eating i'm the i i'm the mom that that doesn't allow junk food but yeah I, i'm also for freedom of choice because once in a while that treat is kind of a cool thing and if you admit it all together kids are going to go after it when they can right you want the an example treat- you want an example? My oh, yeah. Parents, okay. True story. My parents were left-wing radical extremists, right? And I didn't get to have tuna fish, um, Nestle Crunch Bars, or grapes until almost adulthood because we were boycotting all of these things. But I'm going <laughs> to tell you what. Every chance I got outside of the house, I was graping it up, Nestle crunching, right? I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. I know you. But uh, Nestle story. crunching. Yeah, it's true. So, Michelle's you know, out there like 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> Contraband. <laughs> Yo, kids at school, like, look what I got here. She's <laughs> like, I got the sugars. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that, that, so that's really one of the milder examples. There's some other things from around the world that, you know, people... Um, no public phone calls in France, I think. There's other right. ones too. Well, yeah, I mean, the, and it was the health passport thing too. In France, you can't you can't travel, you can't leave your house within like a six mile radius is like kind of your max. But you can't you can't even step outside without completing a form that justifies a legitimate reason for exiting your household, printing oh that gosh. form, carrying it with you, so that you have proof to present the police when they stop you and ask you why you're outside. And God forbid, if you don't have that form with you and it's not a legitimate reason, they're going to fine you $150 for being in public. I'm curious, how does France go for that? You know, they have in their memory what it was like to be invaded and to lose those kind of freedoms. How do they just go, okay, yeah. How do their businesses operate right now? Their businesses literally are getting up to $12,000 a month or 20% of their 2019 revenues per month as sort of like a... Good luck staying in business this month, guys. Check from the government. Like, how are these business owners even doing it? You know, like, twelve grand a month. I think about like what my monthly payroll is. There's no freaking way. And how my, does the my government will be able to operate that? that way? How does the government afford that? It would that as well, right? And yeah. so, how does the government afford it? Where's the money coming from? Um, what happens of those who get overly dependent on a social welfare state that is paying for you to not do anything, you know, I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing. And I'm really concerned about the long-term health of Europe and obviously France in particular here. Um, there's, there's, it's just such an extreme, right? And here we are a year later, it's March, 2021. And there's no end in sight. Nothing, nothing. Uh, no talking in public, no movement, health passports. Oh, or and, uh, like Abu Dhabi, Singapore, they have tracking devices. These things are, are the very kind of thing that uh, you you start to get mental because of the lack right. of freedom. And that's well, there's that British someone... guy in Singapore, Michelle, who left his hotel. He was in quarantine at the, at the hotel. He left his hotel room three times. The government threw him in jail for two weeks and gave him like a $750 fine for breaking his, his quarantine. Like that is not, that's not normal, right? Like, we don't have real crime. Having solved all other crime in the world, <laughs> now we can go after people leaving their hotel rooms. Um, that is the opposite of freedom. And that was why, you know, that lack of freedom is why an opportunity is why so many people were coming to America right. and really still are. Let's switch gears to the border crisis. Number yep. one, where's the president and the administration? Where are they? And why are we seen why did we see such outrage i mean there's minute areas where you'll hear media outrage from people who really do care but for the most part we're not hearing it when when uh trump was president oh we heard it on a daily basis and i'm fine with you being on top of things but we were likening uh locking up people to the holocaust you know we were going ad hitlerism on people um and now there's there's just not quite as much and it's a very different slant thank goodness for those independent journalists that are truly journalists for it's kind of crazy now that the the journalists that are the ones pursuing the truth are kind of in some cases the rebels who 
are, are out there. You know, it's like you have the mainstream media that does what they're told by their editorial staff. Um, <laughs> yeah. They kind of like they pursue the party line, you know, and they're the ones that are submitting these pre-approved questions to the president for that press conference. But then you have the the rebel journalists, the real journalists who are actually the ones that are capturing primary right. data. There were journalists that were basically jumping in an aircraft to fly over these facilities on the border to capture the truth of these these facilities, these immigrant facilities. And it took a it took a video being leaked by the 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 whistleblower group Project Veritas to show us what was actually going inside going on inside these these uh, these facilities along the border. There has been a total denial of access to the media to cover what's happening. No photographs, no videos, limited access to the actual people who are crossing the border. Um, very very limited information about the the COVID infection rates and how many people are sleeping oh on the floor um, how many of those people are under the age of 12 and, and how many of those are unaccompanied minors the the information that we're getting is so incomplete and it's it's the absence of of transparency that I think is really concerning the the, the information that we saw come out from Project Veritas showed people I mean Michelle like if I had worse vision you know it looked like people were wrapped up in like those those foil uh, plastic uh, blankets that are given, like if you are yeah. trying Emergency to avoid blankets. getting shock after a collision yeah. or after yeah. being wet, you know, and people are laying on the floor in those side by side, like sardines, literally on the floor, you know, and, and like these rooms, like just, it looked like it was like 20 by 20 rooms and people just filed in there, you know, it's, it's crazy. I think what's happening and it's even crazier that, we're being denied access to see what's going on because it is a crisis, right? It's it's last week. It was six times uh, what Obama's measure of a crisis border situation was six times that last week. Uh, it's going to get worse exponentially as this continues. Yeah. Uh, with again, no end in sight. It's heartbreaking. Um, there are things like we had talked about with uh, ignoring um, the race issue, you know, talking about the race issue, ignoring the mental health issue in some of these shootings, uh, mm -hmm. going right to gun control and race, you know, which, right. hey, I'm fine debating those things, but why ignore to the, you know, exclusion of mental health issues? The border, right. the same thing. Here we're dealing with drug cartels, which because of our policies, we are funding them ad nauseum. And right. that that feeds into the drug issues in America, which feeds into the mental health issues, which feeds into the homeless issues, the yep. human trafficking, which is at an epic level. These children and young children, women who will never again see the light of day, children don't live usually past their teens because they are Ugh. so used up by not by day after day man after man after man after man they can make money off of being a coyote and and make money off of these people once they can yeah. make money every single day for the rest of these short babies lives by selling them into sex slavery and we don't know and we don't care because they're undocumented and on top of it we have a crisis in cuba there's a hundred thousand cubans in limbo right. right now because in their country you may not know this 
Uh, there was some kind of mysterious disease. The American consulate had to decrease the amount of people who are there. But there are a lot of folks who want to connect with their families. There's a lot of children who don't have their parents and vice versa who are trying to come into the country legally. But we're right. so busy with all this other stuff, they don't matter. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy when you think about, okay, well, do I try to get in this country legally, put myself on this maybe four year or more waiting list like this, this issue with the the immigration applications coming from Cuba, over 78,000 family based claims are pending right now. You've got 100,000 Cubans that are literally in limbo right now. This backlog is nuts. So do I go the legal route, the right way to do things the way, you know, most of us that are here today kind of did this or do I chance it? Do I pay a coyote? Now the average is 3,500 bucks per person. Do I, do I obligate my future earnings to this coyote and potentially endanger my family back, back home and then try to get caught knowing that I'll probably get released if I wear a Biden shirt? Do I just, <laughs> do I just chance it? Do I, do I try to go for catch and release, you yeah. know, and, and go see my family where, wherever they're living legitimately? Yeah. Or do I go the, the legal way hoping that our, our immigration system opens back up. Look, we, you know, we have to open up our embassies around the world again. Exactly, and we need immigration. The people who come into this country excited about being here, man, they feed into the good things that we are, but we have to protect them. We have to make better decisions. We have, I mean, are we so backwards that we can't do this legally? say yeah come in help we're happy to help but but we don't and and it well, is getting ridiculous we have a, we have a right way to do things and we're denying people now access to pursue the right way of doing things it's crazy we have to open up uh, our immigration system again we have to open up those embassies to allow the in some cases interviews take place to grant someone a, a visa that's coming abroad uh, whether it's a family visa or a spousal visa or a work visa uh, if, if we don't open up our legal channels for immigration, like ASAP, then we're going to continue to have these border issues. You know, we're, we're, we're going to continue. So far, we haven't seen a good solution out of the president, but we also haven't seen him at the border itself. So, you know, what's on his radar right now? I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, so am I. Uh, one of the last issues that we wanted to take on today and the news that made news as we look at our weekend review is a big tech issue, Adam. Big tech issue. That's right. So <laughs> Thursday saw basically kind of the second big, I guess you could call it grilling of the big tech CEOs. And in a nutshell, the House Energy and Commerce Committee had Zuckerberg and Dorsey and Sundar Pichai back in the spotlight. Honestly, it was it was kind of a kangaroo court. The For the most part, our lawmakers sort of knew um, how they felt about big tech in general before they were kind of going into these hearings that were really looking at do we need to regulate big tech more? Is big tech too powerful? Some of these are just kind of obvious questions like, yeah, big tech's a little too powerful. Yeah, we got to figure out a way to improve um, how they how they uh, censor or, or not censor uh, communications that are taking place in their platforms. It well, seemed like it seemed like Congress that? did their homework a little more so <laughs> okay. yesterday than normal. Um, but honestly, like the <laughs> the solutions seem to come out of those who I didn't expect them to come out of. Um, huh? You know, a lot of a lot of these these hearings have sort of been like non-eventful because one, you're trying to talk about very technical issues that most of these these legislators have they don't even know like 
how clicks work and how online advertising works. They have to understand the business model first. And they got that, I think, for the most part, under control. So now that they understand the business model, now they can kind of understand what different solutions might sort of exist if they're good solutions. And Representative Eshu uh, out of California, she's someone that I typically have like a lot of a lot of gripes with. You know, she's sometimes a little bit extreme. Um, but she talked about introducing legislation that would basically ban surveillance advertising. What is surveillance advertising? Basically, surveillance advertising is behavioral micro-targeting. And this is the kind of stuff that marketers like me use to maximize a business's return on investment from their advertising dollars. So the, the idea is let's only serve this type of, adver of advertisement to someone when they are most likely to make a purchase decision. We can tell when this person is exploring a product or a service. We can tell when they're sort of in that like phase of buyer activity. And so when we think that they are most likely to make a decision about what to purchase or, or when yeah. to make that purchase, boom, you serve them an advertisement, get them to click the ad, complete the sale, submit the form, make the phone call, whatever that, that function is, you're using very specific online activity and an ability to track that activity to basically do that. So the trouble there is that this is spanned beyond advertising. This is also spanned to the way content is served oh, to users, the okay. way the big tech platforms continue to engage uh, their audience, the way they keep us on their, on their social networks for hours upon hours upon hours by serving us specific types of content that give us these little dopamine hits that compel us to stay active on social media. So, you know, on one hand, behavioral targeting, this surveillance advertising creates a higher, um, more custom experience to advertising. But on the other hand, it allows publishers to control you because they know what's going to compel you to make certain decisions. So what's, so, what's wrong with, um, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, get your thoughts. One, what's yeah. wrong with uh, giving that back to me, making it my choice? I can cut that out. Uh, you know, so I could say I don't want to be brainwashed and manipulated or. Oh, yes, such like, a good yes, question. <laughs> such a good question. What's wrong with that? Right. So Apple is actually trying to basically force a positive consent for that type of, of targeting from mobile apps. Right. So Apple is trying to now require that platforms like Facebook uh, that they get your sign off they get your, your pre-approval to track you that way. You know, that, I think that's a great solution. The problem with that is coming, it's, it's not really our problem, but it's big tech's problem. If people have to not like be aware of the fact that they are granting this sort of power to the big tech companies, are they going to? Are they gonna actually click that little slider that says, a, like yes i consent or are they going to keep it unchecked you know and say Some nope might. i don't it's much like texas you say okay we're going to lift restrictions you know what there's still a lot of people wearing masks you go out every day in dallas and you see people wearing masks social distancing sanitizing right. uh you know you see that you will the, see a bit of that here's an interesting connector here michelle so you know back when the the can spam act of i think it was it might have been 2003, the Can Spam Act basically mandated all commercial email marketers, if you're going to start sending email marketing to a recipient, 
you have to get their expressed consent to send marketing communications to them. So it's kind of the same logic where if you are going to consent to certain types of marketing, that consent has to be explicit. You have to be able to track when that consent was granted. Yep. And the enforcer of that is the FTC. And also now, well, it's the FTC for the email marketing side of things. And, you know, it, it works. The idea is to reduce spam and inboxes to improve email marketing in general. Why can't that same measure, because I think your question is fantastic. Why can't that same type of pre-approval also be a mandate for this type of advertising and, and targeting? Freedom. But also it requires that it's, but it also requires that there is an explicit, an explicit consent that takes place. There's not an assumed uh, consent that we're just by active or accessing the applications. It's assuming that we consent to it. Yeah. Most people are not even reading the terms and conditions. Like oh when's gosh. the last time Who has our time? audience, right? Listen to or <laughs> read the terms and conditions before their software update on their phone. Dude. I am. I have such a short attention span. I can't get through the first paragraph. Okay, confession there. For the most it's, part, me too. I'm not going to read that. I got stuff to do. I have pugs that are hungry, man. <laughs> I got spoiled by <laughs> dogs. It was not surprising that the debate went very partisan. Republicans were saying, "Hey, you're you're biased. You're cutting out this. You know, one person can call names, but this person can't because they have a left-leaning point of view." And that is really painfully ridiculously obvious. And Democrats are saying, "Hey, there's there's false news out there." And again, um what's wrong with saying some people, you know, flagging something? Some people consider this false news. Uh because right. you are not the there's nobody that I know that works for Facebook that is the arbiter of all truth. God has not right. sent down, you know, his representative there to say, this is truth. This is not truth. Oftentimes, uh, some things can be a little bit of both. If you are looking at things and you can research it yourself, what happened to personal responsibility? Hello, right. wealth of human knowledge right here, right here. We can look things up. We carry it around in our pockets, right? It just doesn't make sense. We feel like we are at a place where we are so inept and, and ignorant that we need somebody else to make those decisions. Uh, we need to be indoctrinated. So I wanted to end our conversation today with something that you brought to me uh, as we were getting things kind of set up today. Uh, <laughs> and that is a brand a new million COVID deaths and we're still playing with Gravedigger. Oh, Nerf guns. Might as well be real guns. Cancelled. Oh, look at this fun basketball hoop. A white kid dunking. Now we're just lying to people. Catan. Imperialism. Here's another fun one. Jumanji. Before you buy this, why don't you look up some old Kevin Hart tweets? Canceled. Guess who? Did your person look like a male but identify as a female? Oh, sorry. Well, unfortunately, if we discover anything you've done in your past, sorry is no longer enough. Canceled. Chinese checkers? No. <laughs> hey, you guys want to play a fun game about land ownership and discrimination? Good, because I'll get it for us. It's called Monopoly. Ma Whoa! <laughs> so we can fix that, right? That is so good. That is so good. Like, <laughs> I love this. We just guy. pulled out the I, you've I been canceled to, card. I, it's a by Hez Bro. It's on TikTok, so TikTok isn't easy to just play something off of. But oh man, that guy is funny, funny. So in the 2020 version, uh, or sorry, the 2021 version of Monopoly, who actually pays rent? 
And do you get you know, stimulus is, checks? And is the person who's playing the banker just sort of printing as much money as they want? <laughs> I like it. Like, let's, let's literally just base it on wealth redistribution and penalize successful players. The unsuccessful players are, are actually rewarded for failures. And then we'll have peaceful... Oh, you just businesses and they cause property values to go down by 25% and then they, they quadruple the cost to rebuild. <laughs> 2021 Monopoly, right? Let's do it. <laughs> so it, this wo- there's a woke version, correct? That's pretty much it. You know, it's, it's interesting. So, you know, there's all sorts of businesses that are trying to kind of capitalize on this, right? And Monopoly is, this is kind of crazy. They make, this has been a $3 trillion game for Hasbro since 1935 when they started selling Monopoly. They've they've measured three trillion dollars in revenue from this this game. They make thirty billion a year on this thing, and this year Hasbro is trying to basically see double digit revenue growth. And they're basically introducing three different types of monopoly. One of them is we'll just call it like this socially aware monopoly. And one of their other ones is called like crooked cash, and it's like about deception and. Some of the monopoly money is actually like, quote, fake monopoly money. And you're able to sort of deceive the bank and deceive other players in the game. So it's kind of a strong detour from this socially aware monopoly effort. They're trying to basically get rid of all the community chest uh, cards that are that are in the deck. They're trying to basically allow the public to give feedback about what these new cards should be. And they're penalizing selfishness. They're penalizing players for not recycling, for not shopping local. They are rewarding users for, you know, like you found a wallet and returned it for, for like good things, right? Um, but the feedback is very mixed. There are some people that just love Monopoly for what it was being kind of like this quasi outdated game. And, you know, there have been, I looked into it, there have been over 1,100 versions of Monopoly released. And, and I have one of those versions. And I know this is going to shock you, but it's Pugopoly. I have, I literally have Pugopoly. So, um, and I got that as a gift, right? And so, uh, yeah, now in 2021, I guess, you know, if you are a certain leader of a certain school district or if you are a certain, you know, um, political figure, maybe this, this version of Monopoly will appeal to you and give you a reason to give Hasbro some of your money. I don't know. <laughs> Well, then there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> man, you know, there's so we we had the ability to look at the news of the week. And, you know, it, it some of it is so funny. It's sad. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean, Adam? Um, yeah. Oh, you know, for sure. But I'm really honored that you come on every week and take these things on. We do it with humor. Uh, we do it with insightfulness, but we do it because there is a deeper story and there is hope for us. There's hope for America. I've mentioned this on every podcast this week, Adam, that uh, there are a lot of Google searches that have gone down. Uh, festivals is one of them. Um, a lot of differing Google searches no longer, but two right. things have really risen to the top, hope, and prayers and those are the kind of things that we offer when we look for a deeper story the god story here on the my michelle live podcast and we do it today with our friend adam rizieri in our riz report so good to have you on today adam thank you so much let's review the the riz report with adam rizieri (laughs) 
Adam Ruzieri. He is the Chief Marketing Officer at Agency Partner Interactive and our friend here at My Michelle Live. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Have a great weekend. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.